Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I was always a dreamer. I always saw a life beyond the life that I had as a child. It was like a big flashing light. This is what you're supposed to do. Everybody poo-pooed the idea. Network said it couldn't be done. You're in that zone, and it's that out-of-body experience where it just, everything clicks. Sometimes you have those dark moments. I was so depressed when I got fired. I was so mad. People don't need to be afraid to fail. And again, that, that's where you learn. You don't shouldn't be afraid of adversity. You know, that that is the thing that, that makes you strong. This is Jerry Levias. This is Jody Markell. This is Chi Yun. This is Dick Vitale, and you're listening to American Achievers. Welcome to American Achievers the podcast that celebrates ambition, commitment to excellence, risk-taking, and tenacity on the road to success. I'm Keith Dunavant. Some of my guests are world-famous. Some are rather obscure. Our weekly lineup includes entrepreneurs, athletes, military heroes, civic leaders, artists, and media figures. What they all have in common is a sense of undeniable purpose and an intriguing story that reflects the power of the American dream. Gino Locklear grew up immersed in the sock business. Back in those days, her hometown, Fort Payne, Alabama, built itself as the sock capital of the world, and one of the mills was owned by Gina's parents. Locklear went off to college in the big city of Birmingham and began selling real estate. She never planned to go back. But in the early years of the 21st century, when globalization started devastating the domestic textile industry, the 27-year-old experienced an epiphany. She was unfulfilled selling houses, but she loved socks. This is a story about a woman who quit her job, started commuting back to her devastated hometown, and mustered the savvy and guts to start her own sock business in the middle of an economic hurricane. This is a story about an entrepreneur who rushed in when everyone else was rushing out. Instead of trying to compete with the low-cost overseas providers, she pursued a counterintuitive solution, going upmarket with hip, stylish, environmentally sensitive products. Meet the Sock Queen of Alabama. Tell me about growing up in Fort Payne, Alabama. Well, Fort Payne, Alabama is a very small town in the northeast corner of the state. And it was a really, um, I really enjoyed my childhood. It was really simple. Uh, There's a lot of uh, nature around Fort Payne. We have a national preserve just in our backyard that a lot of people don't know about. And uh, so a lot of my teenage years involved uh, going uh, to Little River Canyon uh, with friends, hiking around DeSoto State Park, um, and just, you know, I don't know, it was simple. It was great. (laughs) What do you remember about growing up around your family's sock mill? 
Well, uh, I remember quite a lot. I was 12 years old when my parents opened our mill. And uh, as you know, that is, you know, a, a very cranky, uh, almost teenage age, right? So I used to have to spend uh, summers at the mill uh, with my sister. Uh, and we would be so bored <laughs> as kids trying to entertain ourselves with finding uh, games that we can play, inventing games that we can play, listening to the radio, uh, lots of country music, uh, <laughs> because our mill was just in the middle of nowhere and that's all our little boom box would pick up. and. Um, we would be so bored that we would ask my parents if we could have chores to do around the mill and they would give us easy kid-friendly chores to do, like counting socks and stacking them into dozens and that kind of thing. Um, and then, of course, as my parents' business grew, we, we had to spend less time there as kids. But that, that was a lot, you know, a lot like what a typical day looked like during the summer in the early 90s and um aside from that you know I do I do remember very much my mom and dad working and just trying to figure out how to make socks you know they worked really hard I have vivid memories of that and um my dad would often stay until midnight on most nights you know after my mom had taken us home um, he would stay and just keep making socks and just trying to get it off the ground. And of course, uh, some people may not know that at, at that point, Fort Payne was the sock capital of the world. That's correct. Yes, we were the sock capital of the world, uh, I would say probably until the mid 2000s. But the, the 90s, um, everyone says it was the kind of the heyday of that period of time for Fort Payne. More than 100 mills in town, right? That's right. Approximately 150. Some big, some really small. But yeah, it was the town's industry, that's for sure. Now, what's the most important lesson that you learned from your mom and dad in those days about owning a small business? Perseverance. That's, uh, that is key. Uh, it was really, really, really hard times uh, starting the mill and... Uh, you just, you've got to keep at it, you know, just to, just to get things off the ground. And then also once you've started your business, you've got to, uh, loving what you do really helps because it's a lot of days, it's just not easy. And you've got to just keep going when times are hard. And they, they taught me that, which has been helpful recently. <laughs> well, what did you want to be in those days as a little girl, as a, as a young woman, what did you want to be? What was your aspiration? Oh, gosh, I, I don't, as a teenager, I really don't remember what I wanted to be. I, uh, I took gymnastics a lot, so I was really, I loved that. But, you know, what I wanted to be when I grew up, that, that those thoughts didn't start coming to me until, I guess, uh, late in high school. And it was, you know, various things that changed a good bit. When I was in college, I, you know, when you're having to select a, or when you're at the point when you're having to choose a major, I was really confused and unfocused. And I happened to choose a business degree as or choose business as my major because I wasn't sure what else I could do. My dad taught me, you know, 
there's there's plenty of things that you can do if you don't know exactly what you want to do there's plenty that you can do with a business degree so i took his advice and uh, majored in business and with a um, specialty in marketing going back to fort Payne and being in the sock business that was probably the last thing you thought you would do right pretty much yeah i mean just as a kid it's hard to when your parents are doing you know something like that it was hard for me to realize how special it was as a teenager i thought it was great and i knew that it had helped my family a lot it is the reason why my parents were able to put my sister and i through college uh, i was aware of that but i just i didn't have the passion for uh you know learning the business at that time and and that did not come until later what was happening to the sock business about that time yeah it was just leaving town basically my uh, my parents were really scared uh they they knew that oh you know they're what was referred or what is referred to as gray goods manufacturers and at that time they made just plain white crew socks that ended up you know, being sold in like packs of six and big box stores, right? So that type of manufacturing was leaving this country. And that is primarily the type of socks that all of the sock manufacturers in Fort Payne made. So we were very sensitive to, um, or the the town's industry was very sensitive to uh, the industry moving over town because of cheap labor. So we really suffered from that. So that was beginning to happen. So I would mention to my dad, you know, after college, dad, you know, how how could I be a part of this? And he uh, kind of discouraged it, to be honest, because he didn't know what kind of future there was in it. So I decided to get into real estate and and then the market crashed. (laughs) And, uh, but, I had, uh, before that time, I had decided it was not for me and I was kind of meant to to do something else that I had more passion for and really wanted to figure out a way to get into the sock business with my parents. Now, how did it feel to see your, your parents' business and your hometown devastated uh, during that period? bad i mean it it felt terrible i was so frustrated i was very angry it's what led me though to starting zakano those feelings it's a hundred percent why i started this business and you had an epiphany of sorts right i did yeah so i mean a few things i you know every day i would hear my parents talking about this mill closing, so-and-so closing, family family members, my dad had brothers, you know, who were sock manufacturing and they were, they were losing their mills. Um, and I, this was just the chatter around town, around our dinner table. And uh, we, our mill is located on airport road. And during this time in Fort Payne, that's where every mill was located. And um, so, you know, it was pretty common for the mill, you know, the mill across the street would close and then, you know, three mills down would close and then three or four down the other direction would close. It was just, my dad describes it as, you know, feeling like it happened overnight. So, um, it, it, and 
and I thought, you know, I didn't want to see what my parents had worked so hard for, um, just die. I, you know, I, I didn't want that. And so I thought, you know, maybe Americans, well, I thought that maybe Americans didn't know what was happening, uh, to us manufacturers. And I thought that there wasn't a lot of awareness about this importance of supporting, uh, us manufacturers and buying made in USA. Uh, people just kind of weren't talking about that then. And I thought, you know, if we can start a brand of our own um, and number one, we won't have to worry about people uh, or, you know, I guess the, the middleman uh, taking, taking our business away from us and sending it overseas. We won't have to worry about that. Um, and maybe we can tell we can create a successful brand of our own and tell our story in the story of Fort Payne, Alabama, and maybe it will somehow, some way become a success and we can stay open. Thanks for joining us on American Achievers. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to access our exclusive premium content, visit us at AmericanAchievers.us or search for American Achievers at Patreon.com. For a few bucks a month, you get to access our monthly email newsletter, the monthly American Achievers Extra audio program, and the quarterly Zoom show, American Achievers Green Room, where you get to interact with one of our accomplished and intriguing guests. For details, visit AmericanAchievers.us and click on the premium membership button. Want to learn about my eight books, including biographies of Paul Bear Bryant, Joe Montana, and Francis Gary Powers? Visit KeithDonovan.com or your favorite bookstore. My latest, Speed, The Life of a Test Pilot and the Birth of an American Icon. It's all about Bob Gilliland and the development of the super-secret SR-71 Blackbird spy plane. Now back to the program. Tell me about the sense of defiance and optimism that you have to have to walk back into your hometown amid what is essentially industrial carnage. Mm-hmm. One thing that I think I really had going for me at the time was I, I was really young. I was, gosh, 20, 27, 28 when we really started make, you know, talking about making this a reality. And I, um, I was so incredibly optimistic. I remember it to this day and I, I just turned 43. So I've been doing this a while now, but um, I, do, I do remember my feelings uh, during that time. I was, so, I was so optimistic. I was also really naive about how hard it was um, to start a brand and uh, just kind of how, how hard it would be to keep a textile mill going in this country. But I think that that was a really good thing. I think it really worked out for me because, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's impossible to say, but if I'd known how hard it would be to get it off the ground and how hard it still is, um, you know, I, I can't say for sure that I would do it. I probably would have, but I don't know. But I, I'm glad that um, that I kind of had that going for me in the beginning, I think. Okay, so you started with this counterintuitive idea. 
what made the Zucano different? Um, well, I think a few things. Um, just being a family business and making our socks ourselves. To this day, I, I don't know too many brands who sell socks and also manufacture their own socks. Now, we're not the only ones, but there's just, there's not too many people, there's not too many of us who do that. Um, and then uh, making our socks with organic cotton also made us very different, especially in 2009 when we launched the business. That wasn't, uh, we certainly were not the first to do it, but it just wasn't as mainstream as it is right now. So um, so that, that was also pretty challenging too. Um, launching a brand with, you know, a type of material that people had a lot of questions about that, that was, that was very challenging, but, but those are the things that made us, that made us different as a brand. One of those people with an interesting question was your future husband. Uh, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about when you started telling him about this business you were building and what he yeah. said. So when he and I met, we, um, it was like right when, Zakano was about to launch and I told him uh, that he asked me what I did for a living and I was like well I make organic cotton socks and he's like what oh are they free range <laughs> uh no <laughs> did he buy into your dream from the beginning he did. He, yeah, he definitely did. And he has been very supportive the entire time, I have to say. Because you're commuting back and forth, what, a couple of times a week to Fort Payne, right? That, yes, that, that and it has been that way since we got married 10 years ago. And it's, you know, that way, still that way today. So um, he, he is very, very, very supportive. I mean, that's a, that's a balancing act right there, because for people who don't know the geography, that's... Fort Payne is about, what, an hour and a half from, from Birmingham. Exactly. Yeah, it's an hour and a half. I My typical week, uh, I will go up on Monday, and I spend the night Monday and Tuesday um, at my parents' house, and um, and then I come back Wednesday, come back to Birmingham Wednesday after, or Wednesday evenings, and um, <clears throat> it's a bit too long to do the back and forth each day, and it, uh, it, it just really takes a lot a lot out of you to do that. I've tried it. It just kind of doesn't work. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my typical week. And um, pretty much half and half in Fort Payne and then in Birmingham. So I'm not, when people ask me, you know, where I live, sometimes I'm like, I don't know. It, it's a little, it's complicated. <laughs> Tell me the steps to, to developing your particular niche to get Zakano off the ground, there was, there was many challenges and many things we had to figure out because, you know, my parents could help me um, a lot with the actual manufacturing of the socks. And we had the infrastructure for manufacturing our socks already um, established. So that part was pretty easy actually. But what was hard was figuring out how to uh, market and sell your own socks to the end consumer. That was really challenging and that's still challenging today. Um, another challenge was transitioning from making white athletic socks, which was what we knew how to do, to making like the pattern socks that we make now. So to do that, you're looking at 
um, how do you source dyes that um, that don't uh, compromise the integrity of your organic cotton? So you've got to, you know, you can't use conventional dyes. You, we, I had to find out, you know, what what type of dye that would be that you can use to make socks, you know, and that it won't wash out, you know, when you launder them. That was a challenge. Um, and then making socks with patterns was a challenge, um, not only from a design aspect, but our machines uh, that we had at the time were not really meant to handle patterns. So um, thankfully we have an amazing technician who has made socks since he was around 18 years old. Um, who helped us with that and essentially, you know, tricked the machines into doing it. And then as we grew, we learned how to make better designs. We learned how to put colors together better. Uh, the more that we worked with them, I, I feel like we, well, me, <laughs> I, I had to do it um, on my own in the beginning, but the more I worked with color, I, you know, I feel like I got a better idea things that worked together and things that did not. And then uh, our designs progressed. And then finally, we were able to get machines that were uh, made for making the types of socks that we make now. And then we were able to uh, bring, bring on some people onto our team who were really able to help me with uh, the design aspect. So that was very helpful. How did you finance all this? Uh, it's privately just uh, my parents through the, the money that they had saved up over the years from their business. What were the keys, do you think, for the company surviving during that period, during that building period? Um, well, uh, I know that my mom and dad, even though they had lost their business, their main customer that they had for many years, due to what I was talking about earlier with um, companies sourcing overseas. Um, and they, I, I remember to this day, they would, both of them would go to the mill. Um, that's what we call it, the mill. Um, even though we had no business, um, the machines were completely turned off um, and they would just sit in their office and hope that the phone would ring or hope that somebody would come by with samples wanting production made. They, they, they never went home. So I, you know, in their mind, they didn't have another choice. They had to make that business work. And, um, and that's, that's why I think we're still there. It's because of their, uh, just their perseverance. Desperation. 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 Yeah. They, they refused to die so and it, and it helped you're listening to american achievers stay tuned for more conversation when you first started zakano you had very little marketing money no advertising money um no experience in marketing direct to the consumer how the heck did you do it well, one thing that really helped us in the beginning to kind of get off the ground was going to local farmers markets. And um, that really got a lot of uh, or spread awareness pretty quickly about our socks, at least in our community. 
and I would do other types of community events in Alabama and even some regional events. Um, just going and setting up a table and putting your socks out there, meeting people, talking to them, selling socks, um, that kind of thing. We did a lot. I did a lot of that in the beginning. We would put our socks out just on a table. We had no packaging at the time. It was just really so grassroots. And then um, people would come by and, you know, they would say, well, what's, what's the deal with the socks? And I mean, it, it was really just it, authentic, I suppose. I mean, we would just tell them our story and kind of why we're here, why we're making socks and why we use organic cotton. And uh, people really, you know, grabbed onto that. So it was nothing, it was nothing fancy, you know. How much of Made in the USA was central to people latching on to you? Oh, I would say even still to this day, um, that's probably the top reason why someone uh, tries our socks for the first time. Made in USA and also just if they read our family story, you know, of why why we're uh, making socks, uh, that that's a reason as well. But definitely people buy from us because of uh, where we make our socks. And of course, you, you, you've taken the web um, not only as a sales tool um, to take orders directly, but but to tell your story. And you, you've done that very effectively. Um, you. Did you realize from the beginning, hey, we're going to tell our story and we're going to make people identify with us, right? It was that was that part of the mission from the beginning? It, yeah, I knew from the beginning that I was going to tell our story. And that's really, that's as far as the marketing went. I, I just, I didn't know what else to do. I was like, so we're going to tell our story. And, um, you know, so much I didn't know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing um, when we started Zucano. And I just, I just had to figure it out step by step, you know. And that was just sort of like, felt like the easiest thing to do. Like, well, just tell our story. We, you know, I, people say that we've got a good story, so we'll just tell it, you know. And, um, and it, it seemed to, you know, be what, uh, I mean, it, I think it worked on a lot of levels. People really like that we're a family business, you know, making socks. We really try hard. We try so hard to make the best socks that we possibly can. And um, I, I think that people, um, I think that people can feel that when I read those reviews. I think that they, they um, are aware of our hard work and our socks are not, uh, they cost probably a lot more than you would ever imagine to make them the way that we do, but um, it's just, it's worth it. And to put a quality product out there that we're really proud of, and I can't imagine doing it any other way. And I just, I feel like people notice that. Was there a turning point when you thought, I think this is going to work? Yeah. Yeah, um, probably 2015, 2016. What happened? Well, honestly, we got a really, in 2016, we got an amazing uh, feature in the New York Times. and The Sock Queen of, uh, Al of Alabama. Yes. Um, so thankful for that article. And it just... Um, it kind of felt like the tipping point, I suppose, because it just introduced us 
to so 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 many you know new uh, customers that we wouldn't have without that and that we grew a lot from it and um you know we we didn't have a lot of money to advertise back then we don't now <laughs> so we just um kind of depend on things coming our way you know and uh that that just really really helped in the right time like i was feeling prior to that i was feeling a bit i remember wondering if it was ever really going to happen for us um and then that story came out and it was it was a great confidence boost that's for sure well you know beyond i would think beyond the uh financial side of that an entrepreneur you know, you, you you get to a point where, you know, it's so tough that you've got to have some validation. you got to take validation where you can find it, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. it Yes. There's so many peaks and valleys, you know. And for me, there's just, <laughs> I think there's been more uh, valleys than peaks, honestly. <laughs> so, yes, the uh, validation is huge. Clearly, you have some very loyal customers who really love your brand. What do you attribute that to? I think that people really like supporting a family business, a small family business. I think the people appreciate the fact that we're still making socks here in Fort Payne, Alabama. And once people try our socks, they really enjoy how well-made they are. And that, that's what, what we hear the most from our customers. And I, and I think that that's why they come back. And, and also they, they like to share um, our, you know, family made story with, with their family too. And um, I'm sorry, their families. And it's just, I don't know. I think that that's, has, uh, has been a, a huge thing that's helped us over the years. I know, I know it has been. What does it mean to you when uh, you get an email or a letter from a satisfied customer? Oh, it's the best thing. It's the absolute best thing. And it, especially, you know, it's just, it's always been kind of hard. You know, I don't think I've ever had a moment in this business where I'm like, yeah, this things are easy. Things are just going perfectly. You know, it's just always kind of felt challenging, you know, and especially like the past couple of years. And so when, when we get a nice email from a customer, they just really have no idea how much how much it helps because I, you know i see every single customer service email that we get still you know i read i read all of them and um so it's just i don't know it's um uh, it's encouraging when you're having a down day it can really really lift you up and remind you why why you're doing it do you still feel like that you're swimming against the tide yeah <laughs> yes. I mean, but you're talking okay. about you're talking about serious macroeconomic um, obstacles against you. Yeah, it, I do, and and it's okay. I've accepted it. Um, it's just it is what it is. You know, it's it's hard to to be a textile business in the United States, but I I feel like we're going to make it. So, um, but it's hard. But but I've accepted that, so I'm okay with it. What have you learned about yourself um, during this period? Uh, I guess I would say I'm a little, I'm a little bit tougher than I thought I was. 
I'm a little bit more hard headed than I thought I was because it, I mean, it has been so challenging. I think that it, um, being hard headed and stubborn has really helped me to push through on some days. Um, I've learned that uh, I can have really sensitive moments too, you know? Um, so I, you know, if, if someone's not happy with their purchase, you know, that still just really, really bothers me, you know, 13 years in. So um, thankfully we don't hear tons and tons of that, which is great, but it's, you know, when you do, it's you're like, oh my goodness, it's just like, it really, really bothers you. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I've learned, I've learned a few things <laughs> about myself. I mean, is there, is there one skill that you've developed that you didn't know you had? Yeah, I would say just design and um, working with color and um, marketing. I do, um, I put together all of our marketing and something I didn't really expect to be doing, but, um, but over the years I decided that, you know, it was the best call and I'm pretty, I don't know, I'm pretty happy with it. And I guess uh, my college, uh, my, my marketing classes in college actually seem to have helped out a bit. So um, yeah, I would say, I would say those things. The uh, pandemic and the aftermath, um, how has that affected your business? Oddly, during the pandemic, during 2020, you know, at the beginning, I really was fearful of the business, didn't know what was going to happen. Of course, nobody knew what was going to happen, but we ended up having a really good year. It was slow, like the first quarter, and then it picked up, you know, we ended up having a really good year. We had a really good year last year. This year has been tough. So um, it's we were great uh, the first couple of months of the year. And then it's just, you know, been a decline in sales ever since. So we, and we've been fortunate though. We haven't had fingers crossed um, supply issues like a lot of businesses um, have, I guess that's because we source, uh, you know, most things here. So, or from here. And so we have been incredibly fortunate there. Also making, making our own socks helps tremendously because I know that um, in 2020, a lot of the sock mills closed. So I can't imagine uh, selling socks and, you know, having to source your production. Uh, I just can't imagine what that must have felt like. So we were very lucky. We never had to close. So our mill was going the whole time. Um, but yeah, um, this year has been a little bit tough. Just we think, you know, just with prices being so high and then um, people are shopping a bit less and it's just a little emotionally challenging too, so. What do you think your story says about having a dream and chasing it? <laughs> um, I hope that it would encourage someone to do it. I, I really do. Um, of course, you know, I, I talk about a lot of, you know, a lot of the negative aspects too, but I'm just, um, 
kind of unfiltered in that way. But I, I hope that um, I hope that it would encourage someone to um, really pursue something that they love doing because it's just it's really rewarding and loving what you do is in my opinion is just so so very important just because of you know like i was just describing this year you know it's it's been really tough emotionally and what you fall back on is your love of what you're doing and sometimes that's all you have sometimes that's what pulls you out of bed so um so i think if you have those feelings about what you decide to pursue i I would be encouraged by that. I think that that's very helpful. That feeling that pulls you out of bed in the morning, that's mm-hmm. that's something every successful entrepreneur has got to have. Um, has that ever waned? Have you ever gotten to the point where, gosh, you know, mom and dad, this is just so tough. I've, I've got to go do something else. No, I never. I've, I've definitely said this is so tough, and it's mainly just the distance between my home in Birmingham and where our mill is, that gets really tough. Um, but I never said, uh, I never thought even that I would like to do something else. That was never an option. But I, I have admitted, you know, that it's tough. Uh, especially kind of, you know, in the past year. But but I, I won't quit. Now, where does that come from in you? I don't know. Um I mean, it would have to be my parents, I suppose. I mean, uh, as I mentioned, I'm pretty <laughs> I'm hard-headed, so um, I don't quit easily, and I want to see something through. And I and I love this business. I absolutely love it. So um, I guess that's why. <laughs> and I love the people who work for us. What is what does success look like to you now? How do you define it? Mm. It's kind of changed a bit, you know, as, as you know, from when the business started and, you know, till now, um, I, you know, I probably would have just defined success in the early days as just selling tons and tons of socks and making money, you know, and then with just maturing a bit, my late thirties and uh, till now, I have started realizing that it's really not about that for me. It's uh, more about loving what I do every day and being just feeling happy with what I do every day and enjoying what I do, enjoy working with the people that I work with. To me, those things are a lot more just feel a lot more successful than financial success. And yet, I'd rather I'd rather be happy doing what I do than having, you know, much more money than I have in my bank account right now and then being completely stressed out. And yet there's plenty of stress in in your job, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I but I think, you know, if the biz, you know, if we were making lots more money than we're making now, I, I think that there would be a lot more stress, a lot more stressors than, than what I have to deal with now. But I just, you know, whatever I do, I want the business to grow, but I want it to be 
healthy and I want to, I always want to enjoy it. And I want the people who work for us to enjoy what they do as well. That's really important to me. Your mom and dad, what do they think of what you've done? Well, um, <laughs> I, they, I hear, I, they're proud. I, I hear them tell people they're proud. <laughs> I mean, you must be a rock star to them. Oh, I don't, I don't know about that, <laughs> but, um, but they are really proud and, um, I don't know it. We're having fun. You know, I, I enjoy getting to spend as much time with them as I do. And I think, I think that they enjoy me coming to the house and every week and, um, and get, you know, working at the mill also cook for them two nights a week. So that could be part of it. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we're, we're just having a good time and enjoying what we do and feel proud that we're honestly still open. When you look back on the decision you made to, uh, quit your job and, and, and start this company, have you scratched the itch? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, would you do it again? Yes. It's, it's been the best, uh, the best career for me possible. It's, um, I feel very fortunate to be able to do something that matters so much to me. Uh, I know. Why does I, it matter? I, Why does this matter to you? Yeah. Uh, well, just carrying on my family's business, um, means a lot to me and getting to do it in Fort Payne, Alabama, formerly known as the salt capital of the world means a lot. And uh, just getting to put, I guess, my spin on something that my mom and dad started is very meaningful. And I get quite a lot of joy out of it. And I really like to talk about our story and tell, you know, talk about why it's so important to support uh, U.S. manufacturing. Thanks to Lane McGibbony and all the good folks at Boutwell Studios for all the TLC required to bring this podcast to life. And audio engineers Joe Beeman and Jonathan W. Hickman. Remember, everyone has a special talent. You just need to identify it, cultivate it, and be willing to pay the price. You too can become an American achiever. <laughs>